Any advice or opinions offered on this program are meant as general suggestions, not advice specific to an individual child. Any choices that you make regarding your own child are completely at your own discretion. This episode is brought to you by The Recharged Family. The Recharged Family is a service network that focuses on providing free content and resources for parents and educators so that they can better support the kids in their lives who may be struggling in some capacity. The Recharged Family provides a wide variety of multimedia content with their Exhausted Educators podcast, Parents Recharged podcast, and the Recharged Family YouTube channel. They also help individual families through their service-based Holding On To Learning LLC, where they'll meet with you virtually to answer any school-based or outside agency-based questions, or just to provide families with some guidance on the next steps to help their child. The good news is, if your family can't pay for this service, you don't pay anything. And even if you can afford it, it's only a donation-based service, so you choose the amount that you'd like to donate. To learn more about the Recharge Family services or to support the Recharge Family mission, go to rechargedfamily.com or follow the Recharge Family on Instagram or Twitter at Recharge Family. Remember, you can do your part too in helping more families and educators get access to the Recharge Family information and resources by subscribing wherever you watch or listen to the Recharge Family content. Isn't it time to get the child in your life back on track with the support that they deserve? You can do that by going to rechargefamily.com. This is a Holding On To Learning LLC production. Hit it! The ideas expressed on this show are not the views of their employer. Besides, if you really want to take advice from this guy, well, you should probably do it at your own risk. You better turn right back around because here comes the short ball dude from the Parents Recharge Show. What is going on, fellow parents? Thank you for dropping in to the Parents Recharge Show. In this episode... We're going to talk all about 504 plans. We'll dive into what you can do to help the school develop a 504 plan for your child. We're going to give you some suggestions about how to be an important part of the 504 team to help make decisions to help your child and get them the support that they need in school. But first, I want to start with what on earth is the difference between a 504 and an IEP? Honestly, there's a lot of people in education who could not answer the question of what is the difference. Both are individualized plans for a a student who has an area of concern or areas of concern, whether it be academics, behavior, whatever area of concern that a child has. However, the difference lies in the extent of support that's needed. If a child has an IEP, they need specialized instruction of some kind. That is the main difference between a 504 and an IEP. Both 504s and IEPs will tell you supports that need to happen. They're going to dive into accommodations that can happen. But the difference between the two is the IEP will also involve specialized instruction. Generally speaking, an IEP is much more detailed much more extensive. It dives into a lot of other areas than the 504 won't dive into, specifically how we're going about teaching the child, what are we doing to support them while we're teaching them. An IEP is going to identify an individual area of need and then address that area of need 
with instructional practices. And yes, you can even teach behavior areas and list that within an IEP. So what we're talking about today is 504. I will tell you the next episodes will be about IEPs though. And the IEP is much more extensive. So we'll take two episodes to go through that. The 504 we're going to hit in one. But you, I hope you know, you can always reach out to me if you have questions. Information to get up with me is in the show notes below. You can always contact me through email, rechargecommunity at gmail.com. Or you can direct message me on Twitter or Instagram at rechargedfamily. And I even provide you with my business cell number so you can text me and I can maybe even set up a time to meet with you and we can talk about things. All that contact information is in the show notes so you can find it there. Now, back to 504 plans. If your child has a 504 plan, it is because they have an identified disability. A 504 is going to outline areas of need and what can be done to support the child. In other words, what kinds of things can be put into place so that your kid has more success? However, a 504 does not usually dive deeper into instructional practices, meaning specific instructional programming that's set up. It's more like, let's set up some accommodations. And with these accommodations, this child's going to be successful. That is the plan on a 504. Many times, kids with 504s do well in school as long as they're provided the accommodations. And the accommodations can vary widely depending on the disability and the level of need that the student has. For example, a child who has a wheelchair They may be brilliant academically. They just need some accommodations to get them from place to place or some accommodations for movement in the classroom. Maybe it's providing them with a seat in a specialized location in the classroom or providing them with ways that they can move throughout the classroom and up and down the halls. All those kinds of things would be listed within the 504. You can also have a child with ADHD who has a 504 plan. And in this case, it may be addressing behaviors, on-task behaviors, or regulating emotions, and addressing the supports that the child needs to be successful according to those specific things. So how does all of this work? All right, so a 504 cannot be put in place unless a child has an identified disability. A school system collectively working with a psychologist can identify a child with a disability. Many times kids on 504s though have an identified disability maybe from an outside source. So for example, maybe your child was identified with ADHD through an outside practice and they have given you the documentation stating that she is identified with a disability You then bring that diagnosis statement to your school, and every state's a little bit different, but generally speaking, you bring whatever uh, documentation they give you to the school, the school then activates the 504 process. The process means you collectively gather a team, and you are a part of that team. And as as a kid gets older, towards middle school age, they're asked to be a part of the process as well. So they're a part of the team. And you work with teachers, you work with staff members, maybe paraprofessionals, administrators, collectively make a team and you go through the process of developing a plan. Every plan is a little different. It's because it really should be developed individually for the individual needs of your child. Even though your child might have ADHD, that does not mean ADHD for another child looks exactly the same way. As a matter of fact, in our house, we have two kids and one adult, meaning myself, with ADHD, and it presents itself differently in all three of us. Although my son and I have some similarities, 
and my daughter and I have some similarities, our challenges are far different in specific areas. And although I'm not getting into ADHD, I'll also tell you there are amazing strengths that come with it as well. And we all have different strengths. I'll probably dive into ADHD in a separate episode in the future. But to get back on track, the 504 plan is developed with the thought of how we help your individual child. In a few minutes, I'm going to give you some general suggestions that might help you as far as how to go about a 504 meeting, what you can do to be an active participant in that team. But first, I want to tell you this. The best thing to do when you know you're getting ready for a 504 meeting is to think ahead about the areas of concern for your child. What do you think are the areas that they need the most help with? And then think about what you do at home. Are there some things that you do at home to help? Now, I say that because you want to identify the areas that you think can be helpful for your kid. And then the next part is ask yourself, is that doable at school? In other words, what I think could help my child, is it reasonable? I'll give you a quick example of a, of a suggestion that a parent gave me year, many years ago. It probably would not be reasonable. The student was new to our school, wonderful kid. And when I talked with the mom, I asked, are there some things that you do at home that you think work and are helpful for your child? And she said, you know, I find that he responds really well when I reward him. I was like, oh, great. Tell me about that. Well, I reward him with hot chocolate whenever he does whatever the behavior was in a positive way. And I said, that's awesome. And I appreciate that you are rewarding your kid and it's great. And it's maybe that's very helpful. However, pretty sure I can't go out and make make hot cocoa for your kid every time we have the positive behavior that we're looking at. So you also want to make sure that you're reasonable in what you're asking. Because yes, you're batting for your child. You're advocating for your child. And that is super, super important. However, don't lose sight of the fact that your child is one of many that's in that classroom. That doesn't mean they're any less important than anybody else. However, understand the staff in that classroom, their job is to work with everybody. And so whatever the team decides for the 504 plan needs to be reasonable. It needs to be reasonable, something that can be done. Running out and making hot cocoa every time somebody completes a task, probably not reasonable. So keep that in mind when you're getting ready to go into a 504 meeting beforehand. Think about what are the areas that you think your child needs some extra help with and what do you do at home? I'll get into some more suggestions and some ideas in just a minute. But first, I want to dive into some examples of things you would see on a 504. So on the 504, again, it's not laying out instructional practices. It's laying out what are the things that the school, the staff at the school can do to help your child. For example... Your child needs extra time to complete their tasks. Maybe your child needs to have their assignments chunked, which means broken into parts because just too much for them to do all in one shot. It could also be a student with ADHD. Maybe they will focus better if they're in a specific part of the classroom, the front, the back, away from a window, wherever. Speaking of ADHD, maybe your child benefits from a, having a fidget. Fidgets are fun. I will tell you this, as a parent who has a child who loves fidgets, I do constantly need to remind her when you're at school, if you're using your fidget, you're using it appropriately because fidgets can also become flying projectiles across rooms. They could also be distracting for others. So that's just a little side note, not to get too far off track, but fidgets can be added into a 504 plan too if it helps your child become more focused. 
gives them something to do while they're trying to learn, while they're trying to pay attention. Maybe they need opportunities for breaks. Maybe your child can get overwhelmed at times. Maybe they perform better if they're given breaks every so often. That can be written in. Here's a couple others. Maybe they need help with computer navigation for whatever reason. You can put that in there. Speaking of pieces of technology, maybe your child needs headphones or a way to muffle sound or something that allows them to block distractions. If your child has a 504 and they have some behavior needs, Maybe they need a daily report card that comes home to, the, to you as a parent so you see how their day is gone. All of that are options. The idea is that you set up something specific for your child. Identify the areas of need. What are the areas they need some extra support with? What are some things that can be done to help them in those areas? When we talk about help, we're looking at supports and accommodations. Again, a 504 can look very different from one student to the next. As a matter of fact, they should. They're developed on an individual basis, and the needs of every child is entirely different. So it should be an opportunity to dive deep into the needs of your child and address it in some way. Let me give you this example. My daughter has a 504 plan because she has an anxiety disorder and ADHD. And in it, we have things like, as I said before, using fidgets, taking breaks, also have things like giving her reminders, chunking assignments, giving her some extra time, all very common things you might see developed within a 504 plan for a child with ADHD. The breaks and things like that specific for her are needed for her anxiety. So we're addressing both. My son, on the other hand, has had a 504 for a number of years, mostly because he has type 1 diabetes and he has extensive needs for his health care. So he needs to have things like access to a nurse when it's needed, being able to have ways to treat a high blood sugar versus a low blood sugar, even laying out things like how he addresses giving himself insulin before like lunch. Like all those things need to be mapped out. Speaking of mapped out, I'll tell you this. So you see, my two kids have 504s, but they're entirely different. And my son does have ADHD too, but he really doesn't have many supports that are needed for that. It really, he just has extra time added on as part of his 504 plan. Most of his 504 is developed around the fact that he has type 1 diabetes and has healthcare challenges. I will say this, way back when we started 504 plans for my son, my wife and I would sit down in advance and map out what are some things that we thought needed to be addressed. And that leads me into like the general takeaways for you as a parent about how you develop a 504 and work with the team at your school to develop the 504. So it's super important beforehand to take some time and think about what does your child need. So for my son, for example, we need to think about things extensively. Because how would we go about treating high and low blood sugars if he's on a bus? Is he going to need permission to have certain devices in school? Because he has devices that allow us to be able to track his blood sugar numbers and alarms that go along with that. But because of that, he also has a cell phone that allows to transmit his numbers to his parents. So there's a variety of things that go into it. We have to sit down ahead of time and think about what does he need. Same for your child. What do you think they need help with to be successful in school? I go back to what was it that you think you're doing at home that's helpful, but also think about what are the areas that they need some just some extra help. Once you've identified those, you can start to de- identify 
some things that you think will be helpful, some supports, some accommodations that might be helpful. All of that is like pre-meeting stuff. And when I say pre-meeting, I'm not talking like the night before. I'm talking about a couple weeks before. And I get it. As parents, our lives are hectic. It is tough to plan out time well in advance of a meeting. However, this is pretty important stuff. You're going to want to take a few minutes, a month, or a few weeks in advance of that meeting and sit down and sketch some things out. It's all part of being proactive. And as I've said in previous episodes, I'm a big, big time advocate for preparation ahead of time. Goes back to my, my old coaching days when I was a high school soccer coach. I often say proper preparation gives me a better chance to succeed. And that is true in sports. It's true in life in general. It doesn't mean that just because I prepare more, things will definitely be successful. It means that I have a better chance to be successful. So in terms of a 504, what this really means is if I prepare and get some ideas ahead of time, we might have a more successful opportunity at developing the 504 plan. And here's why. If you have some ideas written down on how your child can best be helped, some ideas on what you think could happen in the classroom, again, being reasonable, nix the hot cocoa, (laughs) give yourself a list of things that you think would be helpful for them. I'm going to suggest sharing that with the school, sharing that with the teacher well in advance of the 504 meeting. This is one of my biggest suggestions. Many times the school will prepare the draft ahead of time to have it laid out. It's not always written right when you're there. So they'll bring the ideas in like a drafted form to the IP meeting. However, if you give them some ideas ahead of time, that helps them to know what you would like to have in the 504 plan, which is very helpful. That doesn't mean you're going to get all of the things you want in a 504. Remember, you're part of a team. It's a team decision. And nothing is final until everything is signed on that actual plan. However, a lot of schools will appreciate if you send them something respectfully ahead of time. You need to make sure that you tell them, here are some options I've been thinking about. Don't say, these must be in my child's 504 plan. Again, it's a team decision. You don't want to be the only person making demands. You don't want to be the only one calling shots. You want input from other people. The more input everybody has together, the greater the chance that your child will be able to have success with this setting up this 504 plan. Now, once you've done that, and again, I'm backtracking here, if you can do this a month or a few weeks ahead of time, you might be able to ask the school, and some schools do this automatically, for a draft ahead of time, and they can send it home, send it to you, and you can look at it. Some schools may say, well, we're, we're not going to have the draft ready until the actual meeting. Some schools might say, we've got enough time. We just pull it together at the meeting. Either way, it might be an option for you to get a look at what the school's thinking ahead of time as well. In our school district, for example, we can send a 504 draft home in advance of a, of a 504 meeting. And that gives the parents some time to sit and reflect over what's in the 504 without the stressors of having all these people around. That can be really beneficial and you can make some notes on it and you can say, oh, I don't think that's going to work or I think this will be great for him or her. And then when you come to the meeting, you've got even more information that you can share with them. Again, asking for a draft, do not demand it. Just ask, be respectful and just ask. The last couple things I'm going to share with you about developing the 504 and being part of that 504 team has to do with what's happening during and after 
the 504 meeting. So when you're in the 504 meeting, you want to be a voice. You want to ask questions, especially if you're not sure of something. If everything looks good, you've looked at the draft and everything's awesome, then maybe your meeting's going to be quick because you already know what to expect. However, there may be some things that you have questions about. It is well within your right to ask as many questions as you want. This is a really important document you're creating, and it's set for the individual needs of your child. Pretty important. So make sure that you ask questions. Make sure you provide input. You're a big part of the team. Also, if your child's old enough where they can be a part of the 504 meeting, make sure that they have their input too. And probably before the meeting, you're going to want to prep them on that. Like, hey, the information that you provide us is going to be really beneficial. And speaking of that, if your child's old enough to be a part of the 504 team, you might want their input prior to sending in the ideas that you have for the 504 meeting a month or three weeks in advance. So going back to the initial thing, what I was saying, send the teacher some ideas of the 504 plan that you have addressing the needs, get your child's input then, and then they can also offer it during the meeting. And then after the meeting, here's something that I think is highly beneficial. And I actually shared this on a previous episode when I talked about like the intimidating meetings that you sit through. After the meeting, Circle back to the teacher and check in with them to see how it's going. Now, don't necessarily call them and be like, I just want to check and make sure that you're putting that 504 plan in place that we put the, <laughs> you don't want to deliver that message. Hopefully they are. And if you're not sure, ask your kid. A lot of the times they're going to know. It's well within your right to ask that question. You want to do it in a respectful manner. However, my piece of advice would be when you circle back, phrase it like, I just want to see how it's going. The 504 plan that we put in place, I just want to see how it's going. And if it's not a phone call, maybe it's an email. Teachers are strapped for time. Maybe an email is easier for them to be able to communicate quickly back and forth with you. Either way, the idea of circling back to check in with the teacher to see how everything's going. Is it seem to be working? Does it seem to be helping? That's an important piece. And here's why. Number one, you want to make sure that it's in place. Yes. However, it's a 504 document but that doesn't mean it can't be changed. You can revise as you go along. It's updated annually. However, if things aren't working or more supports need to be put in place or some supports need to be taken away, you're well within your right as a parent to request a revision to that 504. Well within your right. So keep that in mind, something in your, your, like your back pocket. However, you might not get to that point to understand whether you need a revision unless you circle back and talk with the teacher again. I'm not talking like three days after. I'm talking give it some a little bit of time, check back in with them, and see if the 504 plan that you all put together as a team and you've put in place, if it's helpful, if they think your child is having more success now. That's a lot of info on 504s. I want to remind you, if you've got specific questions about your child, feel free to reach out to me. These are general suggestions. In order to dive deeper, we'd need to have a discussion about your individual child because every child has their own individual needs. Every child has their own individual brain. Every child needs their own specific support system put in place for them so that they can be successful. Coming up in the next couple episodes, we're diving into IEPs. If you have a child with an IEP or you're not sure about the IEP process, you're not sure about how to develop IEPs or what means to be as part of the IEP team, That document's a bit more extensive. We're going to break it into the next two episodes. That's coming up. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you out there, parents. Hang in there. 
I know it's not easy, but with the proper support, hopefully it gets easier for your child. Things get easier for your child. They're more successful. Your children are more successful. You're feeling better about life in general. Thanks again. Have a great one. See you again soon. Matter of fact, the only thing I do know is that most of the time I don't know. Dad, you're super cringy. Is your 9 or 10-year-old already starting to fill out their application for Harvard, Yale, or Oxford? Parenting is just flat-out messy sometimes. If you happen to like this stuff from the short bald dude, new episodes drop every other Thursday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you think he's halfway decent, you can also rate and review. You can also send him some feedback too if you email him at rechurchcommunity at gmail.com. You can share ideas on future topics or just yell at him for his horrible sense of humor. We do it all the time. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. We'd like to give a shout out to Kevin McLeod for the use of his music. You can check out his information in the show notes below.